Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And this week, we have Kathleen from Inman Family Wines. Pew, pew! Everybody drink rosé. Rosé. So we sip rosé. We gonna sip rosé. Rosé. Sip rosé. Baby girl, she don't play. Don't play. So we sip rosé. We're gonna sip Rose. That Rose Owl, baby. Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. Yes, bartender Ben. Oh my God, I love how you just said your name. Yeah, we did. I love it. You know why? Because people are like, yes, you're here. Yeah. No, no, nobody had to suspect. Yes, ponder, wonder, question. They knew it. But sometimes, like, you know, when I'm slow to join the or respond, people may wonder, like, damn, we, you may not be here this week. And then, bam, I'm here. DC. <laughs> There's no Houdini. <laughs> Wait, that, that's the one I want. That's what I wanted. No, you hit, you hit the right button. Nope. Houdini. You hit the right button the first time. You did it magically up here. I did. You did it. You did it. I just popped up. Well, we are happy to be here. We're blessed to be in the building for another amazing episode of the Rose Hour podcast. And, you know, we couldn't be happier. Do I sound like a preacher? Uh, it's more like one of those, like, uh, English, like, parliament type dudes. Oh, totally missed the mark there. Um... I, I have no control over accents, uh, apparently. Um, let me see if I can do like a, you know what? I'm not going to try to act like nothing. I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow. We are happy to be sipping today some of the most amazing rosé from the Russian River Valley of Inland Family Wines. And we have the guest of Kathleen. Kathleen in She's the founder, winemaker of Inman Family Wines, and she made this rosé. And it's Endless Crush. My Endless Crush. I love the color of that rosé. I mean, it is beautiful. And this 2020 vintage of Endless Crush is made entirely from our Sonoma County Sustainable Certified Olivet Garage Estate Fruit. This wine is a beautiful, pale, delicate pink and is crisp and refreshing. The 2020 Endless Cars dances on the palate with higher acid and lower alcohol on this, which is only 12%, which is not low to us. Uh, this ar- aromatic rosé is beautifully balanced. A crowd pleaser, if you will. Ripe watermelon, strawberries, honeysuckle, orange blossom with lovely minerality and racy acidity to delight the palate. Some rosés are made by, as a byproduct of red wine by blading off um, some of the juice early in the production process to create a higher ratio of skin to juice, which will create concentrate the resolute red wine. Endless Crush is not made in this manner. The intention from the start was to create a rosé separate from that of their Pinot Noir. Rosés made intentionally rather than simply by drawing off the Freon juice tend to have greater complexity and structure because the entire cluster is de-stemmed and then the grapes are pressed with a, within a few hours of the stemming. So this is um, a super amazing 
amazing, amazing, amazing rosé. Again, vintage 2019 uh, varietal rosé, Appalachian Russian River Valley of California. Delicious. And what do you love about it again? I know you said you love the color. It's real crisp. It's, you know, and that's what I'm really going for now. Like, because, you know, I, I prefer, like, Mm-hmm. So, Christmas. Christmas, not Christmas. It, it kind of sounds like, you know, like when people say scrimp, but it's like Christmas. Christmas. Okay, he get, he had the P, crisp. Christmas. Yes, <laughs> it's, I was like, Chris, Christmas? Christmas. Okay, well, guess yeah. let use your vowels. Yeah, yeah, use the consonants. All right. of them come together right. and they make words that right. much better for us. Okay. There's some words it's harder to say. Well, you know, hooked on phonics work for me. They can do the same just for you. Oh, uh, well, Christmas is great, and so is Christmas. And you can drink this for Christmas. Christmas hey, or on your right, Christmas. Right, right. But hey, no, I only doing that because I'm trying to make fun of you. That's all. But <laughs> with that said, we um, had a great conversation about um, Kathleen and how she started the, the wine making process. And yo, she and her husband met. They talk, she talked about that story. It was so adorable and how they met. And then even like how she started the winemaking. It's just one of those like made for E, you know, not E. Yeah. Made for E true Hollywood like stories. Like I was like, oh, that's so, that's so lovely. It was, it was one of those kind of moments. Man, you're a man of so many words today. I love it. I mean. Again, so many words. I love it. This is this is the bartender being that I love. Yes, tell us more. Oh, yes. Riveting. Yes, give us all those words. Oh, you say what? To who? Oh, my God. Oh, y'all, this, this, this was... Oh my God. Oh my God. See, for the listeners out there, don't allow her to treat me like this. You know, write, you know, DM us, write in, let her know that she shouldn't talk or treat me like this. Well, we are going to hop into our first interview with Kathleen. And y'all, you got to listen to it again. Close your eyes, listen to it. You're going to feel like you're back, like talking to one of the golden. Okay, she's not a golden girl, but like, you know how like the golden girls were like, uh, Picture it, Stiffly, 1957. Like, you're going to feel like you're, like, taken back into a good old, like, teleported into time where she tells you about how her story started. All right, well, let's get into the interview after this quick commercial break. Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today I'm so excited because, you know, we're in we're talking to one of the wine vineyards, uh, a family wine company out of Sonoma Country. Uh, Yeah, Sonoma Country, because you know how I feel about Sonoma wines. They are amazing. It's organically farmed, uh, made with love. And they are so, 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 so amazing. It is the amazing Iman Family Wines. And we're talking to Kathleen. Yay! (laughs) Hello, Kathleen. 
Hello, Renee. Oh, my god! very exciting to be talking to you. Um, I think I'm fangirling right now because <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> I mean, one, you live in Sonoma, so you are just probably one of the happiest people in the world. And you work in, like, one of the best industries in the world. So you got to be happy. I know. I, I, I'm originally from the Napa Valley. Um but uh, Sonoma is the place to grow Pinot Noir, Sonoma County. And I'm in the Russian River Valley, um, about an hour and a half north of San Francisco. And it's a pretty fantastic place to be. I mean, oh, you, you can't get any more better. You're, you're like on heaven on earth, right? That's where you live. Heaven on earth. Exactly. <laughs> when we first, um, I lived in the UK for quite a long time. And my husband's, the, my children are, are British. And when we first moved back to California so I could start in the family wine. Um, my husband, for the first 18 months, kept saying, it's another day in paradise when oh. we wake up. It was like, having lived in Yorkshire his whole life, it was uh, used to a little bit more uh, rain and uh, not quite such beautiful weather. <laughs> oh, and now he's like, I am in heaven every day I wake up and it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. So how did you guys start uh, you know, owning a wine company. Yeah. So, well, I started the, the business in um, basically in 2000. Um, my my story really, like I said, begins in the Napa Valley, which is where I was um, born and raised and went to the same high school my parents went to and my grandparents went to. And basically it, the high school didn't exist when my great-grandparents, who also are from Napa, um you know, we're there. So a long time family in the, in uh, in this part of the world. But um, I grew up in a family that didn't drink alcohol. So I didn't really learn about wine until I went away to university. And um, because I was from Napa, I was kind of interested once I was you know, able to purchase wine to learn more about wines from Napa. And I started doing some wine tasting classes that a local wine merchant offered and I was like there's a lot to learn about this is pretty fun I didn't want to work in the industry I just wanted to learn more you know I think a lot of people the idea of working a harvest sounds like it might be fun to learn more about how wine is actually made and so when I came home for the summer holiday back from UC Santa Barbara where I was back up to Napa I got a job in a in a small winery and it was not easy to find a job because all the people who actually were studying winemaking <laughs> got all the jobs but um, I did manage to uh, to find one and it actually was kind of you know really changed my uh, my life I'll, I'll tell you a little story on the uh, first day I got this job offered on a Saturday and the, the owner of the winery said well come come tomorrow and start at 10 30 so I showed up in the morning and a little nervous, you know, about what I was going to be doing. He told me I would help in the cellar on the weekends, weekdays. And on the weekend, I'd do any tours and tastings that came. So it was a Sunday. So I thought, well, I'm all dressed, got kind of dressed up so I could go to work. And I get there and it's, I am introduced to the wine for the first time. And about 15 minutes after I was there, the first guest came in. And um, I'm probably, uh, you'll probably start to guess what I'm going to tell you. But it was an Englishman, an English woman, and an American guy. And I was planning to be an exchange student in England the next year. So nervous about doing this tasting, I sort of icebreaker, I 
you know, oh, are you uh, here on holiday? You know, letting him know I you know knew some English vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> the guy said, no, um, my sister here and this is her husband. They got married last night. Oh, and I immediately thought, what a weird time. Sister's honeymoon in the Napa Valley. That's a little weird. And uh, um, anyway, I continued to pour the wine. I explained I was going to be an exchange student the next year in London. Um, but uh, really not a lot of conversation other than the wine. They bought some and they went away. And I was like relieved when they went because it was a bit awkward. It was, you know, when it's your first thing and they were all a bit hungover, I guess, from uh, the wedding, <laughs> wedding festivities. <laughs> so they were in their own little world. And about two weeks later, the owner of the winery brought, called me into his office and he told me, you must have really impressed some Englishmen. There's a letter here for you. And this was back in the early 80s, before the internet or, you know, texting or anything. This letter had uh, made it across the ocean, and it just addressed to the proprietor. You know, please forward the enclosed letter to the blonde assistant <laughs> studying history of art and uh, at University of California. And that was about it. And the letter inside said, you know, dear question mark, not easy writing to a girl with no name and... He explained uh, he was, felt he was rude and should have invited me to visit when I came to England. And if I wanted, if I wanted to write, I, he would love to correspond. And so we became pen pals. And we wrote for about a year. And then I went to study in England. And we dated. And we've been married for 36 years. <gasps> what? Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I lived in England for nearly 16 years. And my, both of my daughters were born there. But in 1997, we were having a family holiday here in California, visiting uh, my family. And we had this harebrained idea that we should give up our careers and move to California to grow grapes. At first, I wasn't going to make wine. I was just wanted to go and grow grapes. I was a pretty keen gardener. Uh, and in England, it's just a fantastic place to garden. And so I, was, I had big organic vegetable gardens and flower gardens in a conservation meadow where I had cows and sheep and uh, so it was anyway so we had this crazy dream and we gave up our careers and we both moved here and my husband is an attorney and he was in England and he basically at first thought he was going to work in the business but quickly changed his mind and said he wanted to go back to the law and so I was the one who sort of founded this business I called it Inman Family in the hope of free child labor um, <laughs> but um, both of my girls have worked for me at different times but I've had to pay them so it's not quite what I thought um, in fact my daughter Ashley uh, is working for me now and so it's, it's quite wonderful we really are a, a family business my sister works with me and um, my brother-in-law that American guy that I met on that first uh, day at work he uh, he's downstairs right now giving some tastings <laughs> wow so, yeah, so we are just a small, um, small family team, and I make Pinot Noir. I grow Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris, and then I make um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir as well, all under the Inman family um, brand. I, so I'm rose just... is my passion. So. <laughs> oh, before we even get like, my mind is blown. Okay, like you, you, you <laughs> threw a plot twist in there, right? Like, I feel like it's one of those Lifetime movies, and. I didn't see that coming. Like, I knew it was suspense-filled, but I didn't know. You, wow! 
That is so amazing. And what you just showed a lot of people, to all the listeners there, there is a story there that we all need to pay attention to. You never know who you're going to meet and the impression that you make on people. Like, exactly. that's so great. He's your, he was your husband. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's, I'm so it's tickled. It's amazing. And, and when we started writing, we found out we knew people in common across the world that we've been at the same places at different times in our lives, but never met. Um, and uh, you know, at those times, I was I'm younger than Simon, so he, he probably wouldn't have been interested in me back then anyway. But, uh, um, but yeah, it was kind of crazy, all these sort of coincidences. And uh, uh, he, too, has a, a, a love of Pinot Noir. And when he was between school and university, he worked in um, Nuit Saint-Georges for a, a negociant. So, um, so we, we've always been... Um, interested in wine um wow. but like i said i never imagined i would actually uh, be making it when i st- decided to stay in england um i had been studying medieval art history well i mean that's to, a lot of wine that that happened in me- medieval times now so indeed <laughs> i know the uh, you know pinot noir dates back to uh to that time so um uh, you know it's the uh, Lots of the illustration, medieval illustrations of the people making wine. Uh, now, but, uh, anyway, yeah, you know, that's, no, that's, that's what I that's what I do, and I make natural wine, so pretty. Um, you know, I just kind of let nature take its take its course. Yeah, and so like you make several different types of wine, and I know. You, you mentioned rosé and all that. So, like, what do you guys specialize and, like, sell at your your family wine? Yeah, so um, at Inman, really, Pinot Noir is what I think I'm best known for. Um, and so I make um, a state Pinot Noir. Um, and I also make an estate uh, rosé called Endless Crush. And, and Endless Crush, I started making that back in 2004, before there was rosé or frosé or hashtag rosé all day. It was back in 2004. You kind of had to do a verbal arm fisting to get serious wine drinkers to try rosé in this country because they were expecting it to be sweet or like white Zinfandel, you know. And instead, I was making a a dry rosé, an intentional rosé, uh, made from Pinot, but what made me first make that in was I forgot it was my 20th wedding anniversary, and I called it as a harvest day, and I had totally forgotten to buy Simon a present, not even a card, and when I got up in the middle of the night, we picked the rosé at night, which is a great uh, cool when they come into the um, cellar and also to keep the workers cool. Um, so I get up in the middle of the night to go, and I was—I realized when I went to bed I'd forgotten. But I thought, get the card on the way home, and no one will—he'll never know that I forgot. <laughs> but of course, he turned the lights on and was all happy anniversary, and he had this lovely diamond and a card, and oh. I had nothing. So <laughs> I said, um, thinking fast on my feet, um, I'm making a special wine for you today, Simon. That would be my gift. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I made the first endless crush. Oh, <laughs> and I love the name. the name. Appropriate, exactly. Oh. So, um, 
And and at first I thought it was a one-off, but uh, it turned out my vineyard makes a really tasty rosé. And so I started making it every other year. Mm. And then we got to 2012 and I had some extra fruit. So I made more, which meant more people got to try it. And then it really took off. Um, and it, it just has grown since then. Oh, so wow. It's probably the wine I make. Well, usually it is the wine I make the most of. Wow. And I mean, like, I think you're right. Like, I remember 2004, you know, I was in college and I loved rosé also because I am one of those people. Like, I like pink everything. So, of course, I naturally gravitated. But I didn't like the, like, really sweet rosés. So it was hard for me to find rosés that I actually liked. But I really, really, like, searched for them. Um, but I found quite a few. But when I did find them, I was like, you guys have to try it. It's not what you think. Um, but now I see everybody's like, you were on to something. Like in 2020, all of a sudden, all my friends are like, oh, Rosé all day. So like exactly. you were on that trend. You were on the train before other people were buying the tickets. So thank you for being a trendsetter. <laughs> I know. Well, and also I started off by making... Uh, I was a real fan. I uh, a big fan of the Provençal rosés, which of course are not made with Pinot like I'm doing it, but they're but they are made uh, intentionally, where people are growing those grapes to make great rosé. And here in California, um, certainly, uh, maybe more recently it started to change, but certainly through the the first part of the 2000s, um, people were really um, making making rosé as a byproduct of red wine. Mm -hmm. So there's basically three ways to make rosé. Um, the most common way is the saignée or bleed from a red wine. So before the skins have a chance to color the juice, um, you take the, some of the juice away. Mm -hmm. But when you've picked it for a red wine, it doesn't have that nice acidity that we love in rosé. And um, also the alcohol can be a little higher. And one of the beauties of rosé is you can have it at lunchtime and you, know, you don't want to be falling asleep um, mm -hmm. on the summer on the lounger <laughs> while the kids are drowning in the swimming pool or something. So you've got, <laughs> you got to have, you know, you like it light. And so it makes it hard. You tend to have to add water or acid or other additives to the wine when you're making it in that style. Um, whereas I grow the grapes to be a rosé and then I um, pick it earlier when it has lower sugar so therefore lower alcohol and higher natural acidity um and uh, you know and i just leave it um a little while in the in the press i go to the taqueria have two tacos and that usually makes the perfect color pink oh two taco it's length a, of time i like two that taco wine it's the special timing that i use i try to burrito once too much tannin and too much color in the wine so <laughs> anyway, um, that's the that's the second way. And more in the last few years, more people have been adding intentional rosé. Even if they're making a bleed, they often add a little because it really improves the quality. You get a real burst of the flavor with the um, wine because you're getting the whole grape. Um, so anyway, and the third way is actually how I make my brute rosé. If I make a sparkling rosé too, the third way is you start by making a white wine. And then you tint it with some red wine. But that's not used very often for uh, still wine, mostly for sparkling. 
Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I obviously know which one way I like uh, my rosé made. And of course, it is the two taco process. Um, Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you got to have a little the snack. It goes well with tacos, too. I mean, it's a, you yes. know, it's a win-win. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a taco and a rosé? I mean, <laughs> Great parents. <laughs> exactly. It is. <laughs> so, Kathleen, how can people connect with you and actually purchase some of your amazing wine and follow you? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I am all direct to consumer through my website, which is InmanFamilyWines.com. And um, I'm also going to be followed on Instagram at InmanWines. And, um, a little bit on Twitter, not very much. That's just Inman Wine. And um, on, on Facebook, Inman Family Wine. So I'm sort of all over the place on the, you know, digitally, um, because that's how I mostly connect with my customers. I do have um, a tasting room, and we're just starting to be open now to visitors coming, coming to see us. Um, and I'm, like I said, located um, just outside the town of Santa Rosa in um, Sonoma County. California. Okay, so people, if you're looking for a tasting room, you can go to Inman Family Wines, get you some rosé. I'm sure there's some tacos somewhere to be found to have them. Nearby, very nearby. <laughs> I know they should tell me that they, uh, you know, that they listen to you, and uh, I'll make sure I open up something special. Ooh, okay. So you guys heard it here first. Not only will there be tacos somewhere nearby, there's something special as well. So. Let Kathleen know. <laughs> we are here for that, Kathleen. So before, before we go, because I, I know that the, the tasting room has some special things happening today. So we don't want to hold you, but we definitely want to welcome you back again because, you know, uh, harvest season may be something we want to talk about this year because it's going to be a little bit different, I think, for a lot of people post-COVID or coming out of COVID or whatever happens this year of COVID. So we'd love to to talk with you about what's happening, you know, uh, later this year. But before we go, want to know what's your favorite rosé? Well, I am a big fan of Le Tempier's Bandol rosé. That oh. is my, my favorite. And in the sparkling realm, it has to be Cruz rosé. Oh. So, <laughs> that would be my top two rosé. Yes. Uh, but I'm pretty proud of my own, which I don't usually, I don't drink a lot of my own wine. But, uh, you can't drink your own would, supply. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but I do love those too. They're just, they're, they're my fave. Well, you guys heard it here first. Kathleen Inman Family Wines. Sonoma country because it is not a county, honey. It is a country out there. It is, oh, it is heaven on earth. Kathleen, we had so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Cheers. Wow. Thanks, Kathleen. Such a great interview. And it's great to know that your daughter is out here in the DMV area because I think we just became best friends. And your story, oh, my heart, you had me at hello. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love a good heart love story. And also a love story that consists of one. I'll put it <laughs> Well, I want to thank all of our guests today. 
Uh, want to thank uh, Kathleen, the Inman Family Wines. I uh, want to thank Bartender Ben, Magdalene, uh, the team at Fairhill Studios. And of course, all of you, without you, we would not be doing this because we'll be just talking to ourselves. So we appreciate you guys listening and telling others about it. So we really, 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 really appreciate it. Thanks so much, friends. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and also follow us on social media. The Rose Hour Podcast is our, our handle on all social media. And go to our website, therosehourpodcast.com. And with that, friends, we will see you next week. Cheers! Pew, pew. Yeah.